Hi everyone, it's Paola Diana and this is Unleashed, the Game Changers. Today, our guest is a badass, black belt, jiu-jitsu world champion. She's an incredible woman and she's also a self-defense instructor. Thank you, Joanna, for being here. Thank you so Hello. much for the invitation. Wow. <laughs> I'm really happy. I really, really uh, admire you. And you know that. Uh, not only you're one of my instructors of Brazilian <laughs> Jiu Jitsu, I'm, I'm just learning. And I see you as a role model because you're already a black belt. Uh, and uh, I know that you change your life completely, you know, coming mm -hmm. from Poland, uh, coming here in London. And so I would like you to share your story with us uh, in order to inspire maybe other, you know, girls who are facing some challenges and they still don't know what they want to do and they love martial arts. Sure. When I was growing up, I was expected obviously to go to university, get a good education and either become a lawyer or a doctor. So this is my family expectation. But deep down inside, I felt like this was not my calling. At a very early age, I realized that I want to pursue my true passion. And that's always been in sports. But in those times, people who went into sports were considered to be dumb or dull. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I can't believe. In a way, there was even a saying um, back in the days that if you have your brains, you do this type of job. And if you don't have your brains, you go into sports. That's so bad. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh um, and so... And I guess martial arts also for a girl wasn't really the right choice. Oh, correct? absolutely. It, it wasn't even that it was the right choice. A lot of clubs would not admit girls to go and train. So, Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, so I hope now it changed. It has <laughs> changed. And it's actually completely the other way around, where girls are being more and more encouraged to do and train special martial arts and self-defense. But I remember being a teenager going to judo club. Okay, so you started with judo. Um, no, I actually started with kickboxing. I, I love kickboxing. Yes. As well. <laughs> um, but later on, I went to university, and judo is one of the options uh, that I could pick from my from my uh, sports classes. Okay. And so I was told I was too old to start that Olympic sport. Seriously, <laughs> how old were you? I must have been around. Well, that was just when uni started, so about nineteen. Um, but How I tried to 19 years old can be considered too old. So. Well, if you want to pursue it as an Olympic sport and be an accomplished athlete, um, you know, probably you will start at the age of four, maybe 10 tops. So I was considered too old to actually pursue that. Uh, but for me, it was, uh, it was not even about where I get with that. It was about listening to my calling and what I wanted to do. And for some reason, I always felt like this is what I want to do. This is where I feel good at. I feel like I have some talents in that field. Um, and it was just a natural inclination. And yeah. obviously the society didn't agree or didn't understand um, what I was going for. So no one really believed in my mission. And there was not that I remember, not a single person on the wow. planet that would friends? support me in any way or encourage me. Maybe that's a better word, not support, but encourage me to pursue that. So it must have been uh, a lonely period of your life, correct? It, it was, and it wasn't mm -hmm. because, again, um, I've always felt like I need to listen to that inner voice. Sure. And that inner voice would tell me, this is what you need to do. And I would feel completely lonely if I didn't do that. Sure, yeah, I understand. <laughs> so, so this was your passion. And you started ju Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when you were in Poland or here in London? I started when I was in Poland, and again, I was, uh, I think, about 19 when I started. Mm -hmm. I had to commute about two and a half hours to get to the to the local club. Wow, so, that's uh, so it was far. five hours in total just to get 
there uh, and shortly after I decided to pack my bags and expatriate and move to London. Amazing, <laughs> I love that. So you decided to change your life completely without knowing yeah. what you were exactly going to do in London. Correct? I had no idea what I would do. So I just knew I wanted to pursue the dream um, and continue training. So why London? Why did you choose London? Uh, it was the easiest option. Okay. So I guess there were two other clubs in New York and in California that I could potentially go and train, but I figured it was, it'd be too long of a journey for me to make. Sure. So you knew already that there was a, a Roger Gracie Academy in London yes. and you specifically wanted to train with Roger Gracie. Yes, I had visited the gym before in 2015 and 2016 I decided why not, you know, I can take a gap year. I uh, finished one of my degrees and I decided just to literally pack my bags and go. I love that. And which <laughs> belt were you in Brazil? I was a white belt. I didn't have any stripes at the time. I love it. Seriously. I mean, because I know when you're a white belt, you actually feel you're no one. <laughs> I know because I'm, I, exactly. I went through that, you know, but uh, I really admire your courage, you know, and your determination, mm. your passion, because the it's fun all about passion, right? Absolutely. It is. And the funniest thing uh, or the scariest thing perhaps is that Truly, nobody thought it was a good idea. My parents nobody. thought I was crazy. My sister thought, oh my God, she's lost her mind completely. And none of my friends have supported the idea just because they felt uh, worried about me. They felt like, you've got to find a job in London. And that was after Poland entered the EU. So everyone was expatriating, yeah. everyone was immigrating yeah, to, was a great to get a job. That's right. But they felt, felt like the market is already full, so I wouldn't okay. be able to find a job. Little did they know I would find a job within 24 hours of her after arriving. <laughs> you see, you see, because you don't have to be, you know, constricted by your fears. And mm. people, unfortunately, many times when uh, they tell you, you know, not to do something, it's only because they're thinking about their own fears, you That's know, about right. the unknown. That's right. But yeah. you just overcome that, you know, you decided uh, I want it uh, and I will try my best. Exactly. So you found a job when you arrived after very very quickly i was so determined i know i knew i had no zero fear absolutely zero fear i knew in my heart that i would make it and i don't know how i knew that i just i just felt like the universe will conspire if i believe in something it will help me to find find I the right that. thing for me so where did you go to live uh so i actually I was in West London here in Kensal Rise. That's where oh, I ended yeah? up. Amazing. Yeah. So you found already a place, or you were uh, sofa surfing in some. So no, house? the first day I arrived, I found a place okay. to stay, uh, and I believe it was either that day or the next day in the morning that I found I found a job here at a local um, organic food store. Good. Yeah. Good. So you were working during the day, and then in the evenings you were That's training. That's right. Working during the day and training uh, in the evenings. How hard did you start training every day? Tell me how many hours. Um, it was one hour a day because at the time we didn't have a schedule okay. like we have today okay. where you have 10 classes running throughout the day concurrently with other classes. Yeah. Uh, we had two or three classes during the day. So it was a morning class, afternoon, and evening. So if you were a white belt, no stripes, you were only allowed to do the beginner's class, which I, I did for yeah. a year. And then you became a super champion immediately or you were struggling <laughs> like normal human? Oh, yes. <laughs> so the struggle was to. real. The struggle was real. So after my first year, when I got my blue belt, mom, my mom calls me up and goes, it's probably time you go back to uni. Your gap year is finished. And I'm like, maybe I can just go and change universities and maybe I can finish my studies in London. So I thought, my, okay, my mom will agree. So she did approve. Um, so I decided to stay, but again, little did I know how hard it would be because to afford to study at one of the best universities, which was my dream, yeah. come true in a way, um, came with a cost. 
not only financial cost but also yeah. mental and physical cost. So what I started because these were daily study from Monday to Friday, so I had to find a night job. So from a, having a normal study nine to five, and I went out to do night shifts from say 10 p.m. till 8 a.m. in the morning, wow. or sometimes 12-hour shifts, sometimes more. Um, so I'd work nighttime, and, and what then I would you study doing during, during the day. This job? Um, so I was working as a female security in a lot of the London clubs. I love this. Yeah. Joanna. Seriously, <laughs> I couldn't find a different job. I felt like, oh, what am Female I going to do? Security. It was in your, well, your destiny. Well, to you do know what? I had a choice. What I'm going to do? Bar work? Because what other job can you yeah. do at nighttime? Yeah. Uh, bar shifts, pole dancing, or security? I figure security brings the yeah. most money. So, <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't be a great pole dancer. So, <laughs> that was it. Like Pretty it. determined. Yeah. Okay. So you went uh, doing these for how long? So I did it for a few years, actually until I finished my master's degree, um, and then I went on to... Um, what did you study? Uh, I did master's in phonetic science. Okay. It's a study of speech, which uh, I was very passionate about at the time, but once, as soon as I finished, I realized there were very little jobs in the field. And so I thought, okay, I'm just gonna find a job in an, in an office, which I did for about five years. Okay. And the more of the office job I did, and by the way, I really did enjoy it, uh, but I started realizing more and more what, what I was missing in my life. So that initial dream and initial passion kind of started, you know, yeah. being rekindled. Um, and then eventually I felt like, okay, this is time I should change careers, make a shift. And meanwhile, you have become a black belt, correct? And so when I, and it wasn't until I quit my office job. Okay. And so what happened when I was at Thomson Reuters, I said to my boss, look, I have those world championships coming up. And I really feel like I'm on the verge of changing careers and I will need to make a shift. So I said, I'll give it two months notice. Uh, I'm going to go and prepare for the world championships and then I'm not coming back. And she supported me dearly. It was great. Um, and she was a woman. So she absolutely. Was yes. I was very lucky in all my office jobs, all my bosses and managers were women. So I felt very empowered. It's uh, really good to hear yes. that, you know, because many times, unfortunately, people, they just, you know, complain about having a woman boss. No, it was boss. lovely. I think I'm amazing. But it was amazing. <laughs> I learned good. so much. I never good. learned more from these powerful women. It was great. Um, so I quit the job and I started preparing and I knew that I have to give it all. Yeah. So it's not just the desire to win. It's the desire to put the work yeah, to win. Sure. That makes the difference. And so I did put in the work mentally, physically, and when, whichever How aspect I was able to. How many hours training per day? A few hours a day. It was conditioning, but mostly sparring sessions yeah. and drilling. Um, so the preparation was on point, and I knew that I was ready. Um, and so I won and then started uh, teaching jiu-jitsu pretty much full-time. I love this story. <laughs> and you're teaching now how many classes per day? So I teach kids and adults. Um, so pretty much every day from Monday to Sunday. Yeah, I know, I know you're very good with kids. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of girls, uh, they look at you like a role model. So They're adorable. really inspire <laughs> them. And it's great, you know, because I think, uh, especially girls and little mm -hmm. girls, they need to know and to see, you know, who they could become. Absolutely. And uh, it's so empowering, I think, you know, martial arts, mm -hmm. especially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, and I'm passionate about it. Yes, I agree. Be because you find your strength, your mm -hmm. physical strength, and then also I think your mental strength, uh, and you think, mm -hmm. uh, oh, 
you know I can overcome this problem because I'm actually strong you know I can do it absolutely so tell me more about uh, the self-defense uh, programs that you have because you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really uh, into self-defense and I actually think everyone should do courses of self-defense especially women mm -hmm. so I run courses for different groups so depending on the needs of, of the clients it may be a corporate um, institution and maybe a group of women that have been harassed or maybe minority groups or universities even so a lot of different clients approach me to run these seminars and it really depends on the background of that request what, what exactly they're looking for I will then prepare a program that will suit the needs of that particular public. So it can be, if it's for kids, for example, it'll be a little bit different. And so there will be more games involved. Um, if it's for women that have been previously harassed or bullied or sexually harassed, um, then we will m do more of a talk and cover the psychology um, of sure. domestic violence or whatever that may be the topic is. Yeah, I know, because it's very important also mm -hmm. to understand how to prevent. You know? Absolutely. And majority of self-defense is actually the de-escalation on how to uh, behave, how to give certain cues and how to be assertive. So I would say about 80% of the self-defense that I run is based on the mental aspect rather than the physical. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. If you could give us one or two tips now mm -hmm. related to self-defense. So, so it's bearing your surroundings. So wherever you are, if you walk in a dark alley at night, so make sure you don't have your headphones on. Or if you do, like I do, just don't put any loud music on to pretend you're listening to music, but you're actually just screening your surroundings. And that, sure. more often than not, will save you from trouble. So, for example, in Kenza Rise, the recent, uh, d uh, you must, must have heard in the news, uh, there were a lot of cases where they would take the phones from the mopeds. Yeah. So the thing you can do, you can just walk away from the curb and that will save you. And it's really so simple. Yeah. It's simple solutions. I know. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, you are alone, maybe in the street. Absolutely. And so yeah. what could you do? You know, if you cannot really move from mm -hmm. that street uh, mm -hmm. and you feel that there is someone who might be dangerous for you. So again, it depends on your instincts. So I, I always say um, it really depends on your circumstance. What kind of a person that is, how fast you're walking. You can just speed up and see if that person keeps following you. The best advice I give is just to cross the road and see if that person is still walking behind you. So it happened to me the other day, I was actually walking up the road towards Kilburn and I felt footsteps behind me and there was no one else in the street. And that was daytime actually. But I felt like it was very clear and obvious someone was following the whole route. And so what I did, I just turned around, faced the guy and asked him if there was anything I could help him with. And just putting my hands up like this yeah. to create distance. And he felt so embarrassed Obviously, he, he knew he was chasing me, he was after me. He just walked away without saying a word. This is very interesting. I think because in this case, eventually, the guy was looking for uh, a weak victim. And yes. he com completely understood from your reaction that mm -hmm. you're everything, but not <laughs> a weak person <laughs> and definitely not a victim. That's it. So he actually it. saved his life running away. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but let, let's, be, let's be real. Yes, the voice as a power as a tool can be used in self-defense as well. Just screaming out loud yeah. when there's buildings around you will sometimes scare that person away and they may not decide not yeah. to pursue that. And your hands as well. Absolutely. Can you explain us a little bit better? What yes. do you mean with your hands? So you, you need to create distance between you and whoever else approaching you and you're invading your personal space. 
So you need to make sure, for example, we're in a good distance, but if yeah. you came any closer, I would feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable if you were a man sure. or some stranger. Obviously, you're not talking about Oxford Street where everyone walks yeah. next to each other. <laughs> we're talking about a scenario where you're by yourself. Yeah. Um, and then you can actually communicate your unwillingness to in engage in any sort of conversation. Uh, or exchange just simply by putting your hands up in the air. Good. So uh, this and is our safe space. Correct? That's your safe this space. This is the distance. If, if they want to come closer, then it's danger. So we should push potentially, them. potentially, yeah. yes. And again, it depends on on the circumstance and what that person really is trying to achieve. Maybe they're trying to chat you up. Maybe that's all it is to it. But unless you um, you communicate, what is it that you don't want? So it's about setting boundaries, really, sure. um, and being assertive in that attitude as well. That will, again, be you will be able to de-escalate de um, de anything potentially sure. harmful. Absolutely. And also, of course, I think knowing that you train hard, you know, in self-defense, I think it gives you also inner strength, you know, and it does it does, you it does. Can transmit, you know, it definitely you. gives you more confidence but a lot of times it can be fake confidence as well okay. so i'll give you an example when i was a teenager and i started kickboxing and i very quickly became a, like a national champion i was i felt so empowered and strong that i felt like no one could hit me no one could approach me but it wasn't necessarily true mm -hmm. <laughs> i believe it was still a group of men attacking me obviously i, I would be able to do absolutely nothing sure. so um it, it gave me courage but again sometimes you have to be wise and smart so it's not just your physical abilities and what you can do but yeah. also the ability to act reasonably in the circumstances yeah, yeah. so sometimes when it comes to for example domestic violence um, the best way to tackle that is to de-escalate it and using calm calming voice yeah. and refusing to engage in the conversation altogether yes. and, and it's a safer right safer way to deal with it mm -hmm. uh, because then the person that you already know and you're familiar with maybe your spouse maybe um, someone from your family members yeah. will exactly what you mean. Yeah. is more likely to disengage or leave you alone if you're using quiet peaceful nice tone of voice mm -hmm. what they do want is your attention your excitement to go into that conflict and into that argument. And as soon as you do, more likely than not, it will become physical. Yeah, you escalate. Exactly. So if you can de-escalate, de we, we suggest you do that if it's possible as a solution. And then, of course, run away. That's the best, That's the best. solution, if you can. It is the best. That's very interesting. Unfortunately, especially here in London, but everywhere in the world, I guess, we have uh, a problem with the knife uh, stabbing mm -hmm. attacks. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest in that case? Because uh, it's really, really dangerous, mm -hmm. right? When someone is facing you with a knife in his hand. Again, it depends what, what that person is doing, whether they're asking for your belongings. Mm -hmm. And if they did, I would probably give them yeah, my wallet rather than risk getting hurt. Um, again, if there are other people around, you can voice it, you can start screaming. And you can, obviously, if you've done some sort of self-defense before in the past, worst comes to worst, if you're feeling like your your life is in danger, I would try to obviously defend myself using my body as a weapon or using anything that I have. So, for example, it could be an umbrella. And it's a funny story. I used to carry um, a screwdriver with me everywhere everywhere I went. <laughs> <You're being badass. laughs> and a screwdriver in your bag. <laughs> unfortunately, law in the UK, 
uh, doesn't allow you to carry anything, even a pepper spray is not allowed, know, it's considered a weapon. I so I felt like if I carry a screwdriver, no one's going to you know, put me into prison for using that as a self-defense tool because I just happen to have it. So it's the same with umbrellas, we can have peak endings, really sharp ends, so you can use it. You can use it to push someone off so to maybe try and hit them or just to use it against the knife as a defense as well. So everything that you have with you, uh, even a backpack, could potentially be, uh, you know, life-saving. Sure. That's interesting. Even though, of course, I think it's better to train and train a lot in self hundred percent, yes. That, you have a better chance. You have a better yeah. chance of surviving or putting yourself, um, you know, in a... In a no, I know. I mean, uh, to give yourself a, ch a chance mm -hmm. not to be hurt or, or killed. Exactly. Eventually, maybe you will be hurt because I know, I mean, I did uh, quite a lot of Krav Maga mm -hmm. and, uh, and I remember my trainer telling mm -hmm. me, you know, telling me that actually knife attacks are very dangerous. So yeah. eventually you will be, you know, stabbed somewhere. But of course, it's important that you don't die, you mm -hmm. know, so you can anyway Absolutely. run away yes. and do What's something. The was a lesser lesser harm yeah whatever it can yeah, do yeah so mm -hmm. this is what really mean. so that's why i think uh, I'm, I'm i say girls and women because unfortunately we are the majority you know of mm -hmm. the victims especially in the streets we you are know, in, mm -hmm. uh, related to domestic violence unfortunately that's right these are the data you every know? one and in four girls in the uk will have been affected by domestic violence and yeah. every one in six men but the staggering uh statistic is actually how many women are being killed as a as a um, yeah. aftermath of domestic violence is two women every week in the United Kingdom will fall victim to cr such a crime. It's terrible. I know in Italy is one every three days. Wow. Can you believe? It's, it's That's so huge. Horrible. Similar actually, very similar yeah. statistic. It's horrible and uh, it's mainly uh, made by ex-husbands, uh, mm -hmm. you know, former boyfriends or mm -hmm. especially when they ask you for a last date mm -hmm. so they want to see you after maybe you left them mm -hmm. and this is very dangerous so I always yeah. tell everyone, you know, never ever accept that last date. That's it. So you just have to say eventually we speak over the phone, yeah. you know. I already left you. I want to have my freedom. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you're divorced, it's more difficult. Mm -hmm. But even there, you know, you can have friends with you. You can mm -hmm. have your lawyers. So never, ever meet them alone. Exactly. And it's actually up to the education now. That's why it's so crucial to educate people on how to behave and how to act, what to do, what not to do in those circumstances. Yeah. But the worrying fact is also that it's only about 16% of these cases are being reported. So that's another problem little. you're right it's that's very, another problem little. it's true so there is much more domestic violence mm -hmm. we just don't know about that mm -hmm. because women they still feel the stigma they don't mm -hmm. talk about that they feel they are um, kind of you know guilty in yes. some way there is absolutely they're untrue. blaming themselves yes, yes. they blame themselves it's crazy and it's not apparently it's mm -hmm. not until they've been abused for about 35 times as an average that will they will eventually report it this is incredible Mm -hmm. 35 times it's so long but you know mm -hmm. I, I can totally understand that I mean I I grew up in a very patriarchal family mm -hmm. and my father was actually violent so when you're talking about the escalating I, I learned that when I was a child mm -hmm. this is what we had to do in, in the house in order to just be safe and, and survive and I think I'm here because I did that yeah but it's horrible because it is. You, you feel abused all the time you know psychological mm -hmm. abuse I remember my father was even, he didn't even want me to look him into his eyes oh, wow. when we were arguing. So I, I was forced to look down. Can you wow. imagine? 
how scary it is. It is because you know you so. have to look around you to understand mm-hmm. that you know something is coming to hit you. So yeah, it's it's Terrible. brutal. Uh, it was brutal for me, and that's why I I am an advocate for you know for women sure. doing self defense and learning mm-hmm. how to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. But you know sometimes they invite me to this TV debate, and I. I say this openly mm-hmm. and all the men who are debating with me they immediately get scared they're like oh but you're talking about uh, um, an army you're talking about uh, army women I'm like no I'm talking about self-defense I'm talking about empowering women you know like but they're so scared you know wow. they're like uh, they don't accept that I think uh, in their opinion especially if they are old you know men they they still think about women and girls like the victims you know the weak ones the cute ones, the ones who have uh, eventually to ask for help, mm-hmm. you know? So we always have to ask for help from a man or for a policeman or for someone else. But I think sometimes, and I think you agree with me, there's no time. So you should be your Absolutely. your defense yes. instead of waiting for the charming prince that's or whoever right, That's coming. right. <laughs> yeah? We're vulnerable, but vulnerability is also a power. Yeah. But then again, mm-hmm. uh, what I feel like women are very often taught from an early age is to, to sweep everything under the carpet. And so we program ourselves to kind of not have that voice yeah. and then doesn't lead us anywhere, really. Not until That's we true. change that behavioral patterns from the past that, that have been probably ingrained in the culture yeah. and the tradition or what we were taught when we were young. I think um, it's that. There is an actual saying, and you may be surprised, maybe you have that same in Italy, that uh, women and kids have no voice. Yeah. And that's an idiomatic phrase in Polish. Wow. That we used uh, used to hear from an early age. Oh, women and kids have no voice. And so you, you listen to it and obviously you believe it because when you're young, there's not a yeah. thing but you believe what your parents tell sure. you. And then how do you take that on as an adult and kind of, you need to reprogram it now, right? Because a lot of the times what you think is true and it stays in your brain for their, uh, in their first certain period of time. Um, one of my favorite, actually, authors, Dr. Dispenza, says that by the age, by the time you're 35, you will have programmed your brain to an extent of 90%. So everything you learn, everything you heard by that age, it will be programmed in your brain in a way that will be Im- almost nearly impossible to then tweak and refine, unless you yeah. use meditation practices, yeah. etc., to kind of change that behavior and patterns for for the benefit. So we can 100%. actually 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's so hard. That's why I always say unlearn we need to unlearn Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what they taught us you know and especially traditions i'm so against traditions because traditions (laughs) and religions especially monotheistic Mm -hmm. religions were built and thought against women only to control us control our lives control our Mm -hmm. sexuality control our bodies you know that Mm -hmm. so we need to unlearn and you know for me it was easy let's say that because i'm a rebel you see so I, I just didn't want to accept mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that was the rule of women in society yeah I didn't want to accept that so everything I did in my life was in order to change it to mm-hmm. change the patriarchal culture to change this mm-hmm. kind of society to prove that I'm different to prove that I can be different and everyone everyone else can be different yeah I felt the same way mm-hmm. very similarly uh, but it wasn't even for me I don't think it even was about rebelling about, about everything but questioning everything just simply asking the question is that necessary what does it serve me is it good for me so whenever I heard that a person had to marry and have kids by this certain age I felt like 
well, why does it have to be so? Why does it have to be so that I go to church every Sunday? If I was born in India, I wouldn't be doing that. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. Yeah. every single theme with regards to food, from anything from food to religion made me question. And so I was considered as the odd one out, obviously, because I didn't agree I know. or readily agree with everybody. But I would rather than rebel immediately, I would just start questioning it. Like, is that, does it serve me? Is it really because the culture expects me to do it? Or is it something that feels right? And if it didn't feel right, I would just totally. ignore it. So this is what saved you, you know, mm -hmm. that's why you can have a meaningful life and you can follow your passions. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why you are happy, you know, about your life and you're not maybe living a miserable life mm -hmm. only because you have to follow that path that other people thought you should, you know, yes. follow. I think it does take a certain type of personality also, <laughs> totally. probably in character. Um, totally. But again, the personality is something, a set of traits that you build throughout your life as well. Yeah, it's not just genetics, it's something that you develop yeah. and you can always change and empower yourself. Yeah, no, no, but I, I'm sure you can be a role model mm -hmm. for other girls, you know, and uh, yeah, that, that's so important that we share this type of content, you mm -hmm. know, and we share our lives, what we went through. Because there are so many other girls and women living the same challenges and the mm -hmm. same problems, but they mm -hmm. just don't know what to do, you know, and they feel lonely. I remember when I was a child, I felt so lonely, you know, because mm -hmm. I thought domestic violence wasn't an issue for anyone else. I thought it was only my family. Can you imagine? But this was Italy, you know, many years ago. And, uh, and then eventually I understood that I, wasn't, I was not the only one. And then eventually I understood this was not normal that I should have, you know, aimed for something different. Mm -hmm. So we all need to aim for perfection, you know. Why, why we have to accept to have a violent man well, you in, know, in our life? Exactly. In, in this day and age, especially in a modern Western world, we, we have internet. We have yeah. all sorts of types of support, only if we are willing to go there. Uh, I'm not talking about countries where women have very few um, human rights. Um, there are certain countries like that. but. <laughs> In modern world, you know what changed me actually at a certain point? It was the internet. When internet came to the equation, I was like, ah, there are more people like me. So, for example, I refused to eat meat at an early age. I was too empathetic towards um, animals. And when I saw PETA videos of animals, I you know, you being so hurt, much, yeah. I'm like, no, that's it. I'm not going to eat meat. But no one understood it. My mom is a doctor. She's like, you have to eat meat. It's basic nutrients. Your hair will fall out. Your teeth will fall out. I'm like, yeah. Oh my and God, I tragedy. It. And I believed it. And I was thinking, mm, okay, well, I'll force myself to eat meat. But then in the, on the internet, I found those groups, like vegetarian groups, people who were yeah. living proof that you can actually live and prosper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Vegetarian with diet. your hair, with your but teeth. But can you imagine? That's just only like 30 years ago. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Um, and so like the society would, again, uh, almost label me as a weirdo or as the old one, I was a black sheep. So because I didn't go with what the society wanted me to go with. Yeah. So interesting. But you are strong and so you didn't care about this. So you just... Well, eventually, obviously, I, I followed my own diet, my yeah. plans for food, yeah. nutrition. No, but I find so many similarities between mm -hmm. me and you, seriously. No, that, that's why I liked you since the first time I saw you, you know, even though we, I, we didn't have this, you know, deep mm -hmm. conversation. I think sometimes you can feel other people and uh, and they also say that uh, on the mat uh, doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and rolling with mm -hmm. someone you can actually understand the real nature without even talking just rolling I know when for people who are not practicing <laughs> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu maybe this feels really weird but what do you mm -hmm. think about that uh yes and no sometimes it's hard because um 
as an adult of jiu-jitsu, I very often focus on my jiu-jitsu to a point where I ign completely ignore the person okay. I'm rolling with. <laughs> so maybe I'm not, not so much. I'm me. not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been like that. Yeah. When for people who ask me, oh, you roll with that guy? I actually don't know because no. I wasn't paying attention to who the person was. I was paying attention to my technique. <laughs> uh, but no, I agree in a way that you, you have, uh, you read the vibe. Yeah. So whether you feel whether you were on the same wavelength yeah. with someone, but this or is not. So for me now in life is everywhere seriously. Absolutely, I, I really learned how to really follow my my instincts. Mm -hmm. You know, my gut, my sixth sense. Yeah, and I'm happy with that. You know, That's eventually so at the beginning, you know, my journey, mm -hmm. I, I had to be kind. I had to be understanding, mm -hmm. nice with everyone, and not that I'm not kind now, but I I, I just don't maybe waste my time. You know, Absolutely. with people yes. who I think they have a bad energy or. Mm -hmm. I think they're you're protecting yourself in that yeah. way yeah yeah and I, I think it's something good correct to protect ourselves I absolutely believe in the same yes yeah. um, still doesn't doesn't make me mean person I'm still kind to everybody but I of only course. allow this much from certain individuals yeah to yeah. when it comes to my personal time but being a strong woman isn't difficult sometimes in order to find a man and of course, <laughs> it's super hard. <laughs> yeah, can, can we talk about this? Because mm -hmm. I think this is uh, something you know that um, many uh, can relate to, and me especially, <laughs> in the first place. So, what is your experience in finding love and finding you know a man who is? So uh, I had that actually. Um, I had few people tell me in the past that I was intimidating or scary, and scary. I didn't really <laughs> understand scary. why because I've always felt that I was a kind of in person, always trying to be, you know, social, socially um, active and understanding and empathetic uh, and always mingling with everybody, you know, not leaving anyone um, to be on the side. So I didn't understand what it meant until someone actually broke it down to me in a way when they explained how my character and charisma comes across for someone that doesn't have a strong personality okay. and that they might find it intimidating um, because I obviously heard I heard the same. men need to be to powerful me. exactly and mm -hmm. need to feel um, even in a relationship I think they need to have that role where they feel I am the man I you know I have some I exert some sort of power so or I look after the woman so that gives them a, a feeling of like being worthy or yeah. just you know being the man basically um and if they feel like a woman has everything they need they won't have that place to fulfill anything in her life anymore because she's you know she earns her money she doesn't need any support she does she has her own thing her passions her drives uh her job and then what am i going to be there for yeah, but uh, it should be the opposite, <laughs> no? I mean, it should be like, wow, you know, she has all mm -hmm. of that. Thank God, you know, mm -hmm. I really love so her. So it takes a strong that. personality, I think. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But it, 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 it's a struggle, well. right? It's a struggle to find the... Yeah. And also they say London is very difficult, but I guess eventually all big cities, correct? All big cities, I would say. So, yeah, it's very similar. So why, Joanna, in your opinion, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the best martial art for women? Okay, so having done different martial arts in my life, um, I came to the conclusion that Jiu-Jitsu is the only, possibly the only martial art that really addresses the topic of really close contact um, and helps you to understand that you can still deflect conflict even someone stronger and bigger. 
And so, for example, if you go into a boxing match and you're a smaller person, you have very small chance know, of winning yeah. the match. But if you're on the floor, you're a woman and someone is approaching you, you still have a good chance to be able to defend yourself, to take the person to the floor or to sweep them or to execute any of the jiu-jitsu techniques that will save your life, potentially um, not cause any harm. So another thing about jiu-jitsu that's so special, I think, is that it creates a, um, a social kind of group, a teamwork yeah. is involved. So that's you have true. to really respect your training partners and you have to trust them as well. Uh, with this close distance, you have to have that trust between yourselves. Um, for the person not to hurt you, but also to feel comfortable training with other people. Yeah. And there's no other sport, sport that I have seen in my life that would make people um, link so closely, connect so closely to each other. And so, as we know, society creates a certain feeling of confidence uh, that there are people there for you. And it's very true in jiu-jitsu. It's just not on the mat. It's outside of the mat. We are friends and we support each other. Uh, the same way so it's very binding it's yeah. um, this clo close connection uh, and it teaches you a lot of um, a lot of these values especially that we use when we teach kids for example we teach them respect we teach them uh, discipline Absolutely. so when you go on a mat and step on a mat a lot of people don't understand that everyone is equal so yeah. of course higher belts have some priorities when it comes to lining up etc but everyone essentially is equal no matter the race the country you're from whether you're a woman, a man, everyone is the sure. same. But this is good for men as well, exactly. I think. Yes. Yeah. To, to learn and discipline so, and uh, yeah. order. Yeah, and so instills <laughs> those values, not in, just in kids, but also in adults. And you have to let go of your yeah. personal BS that's going on outside of the gym. You just, you're in your zone and you forget about a thing. And the moment you step your feet on the mat, you're in the zone. Yeah. And you have to leave everything behind, including your ego. That's yeah, very important. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, sooner or later, you will find you will, out yeah. that your ego will be smashed. <laughs> so, so yes, you learn to, to drop the ego and just to let go yeah. and learn and be yeah. ready to learn and be ready to learn with others as well yeah. and no, be part of the process. But the most incredible thing for me are the techniques of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, seriously, mm -hmm. because I was skeptical myself, mm -hmm. you know, before training, and uh, I, I can see with my own eyes mm -hmm. how much they work and how much they are effective. So if you are good in doing an armbar or a mm -hmm. choke, you can do that, even Absolutely. to a bigger opponent. And that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's only if you are doing the right technique. Yes. Correct. Well, the best correct. Yeah. The best example is the Matalio choke, yeah. the kill the lion, they uh, yeah. call it in Portuguese. Uh, where you take someone's back and you choke them from, from behind. Yeah. If it's executed in the right way, there's no way that person's getting out. No matter how strong or how big their neck is, yeah, it's true. they are going to either tap or they're going to fall asleep. That's true. <laughs> so I recommend to everyone <laughs> to come to one of your self-defense right. courses and try, especially this uh, Metalio <laughs> choke. It's actually one of my favorite ones. <laughs> For the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. So now this is the time of the final five. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, rapid fire questions, okay. and please answer as mm -hmm. uh, you know quicker as you can. So, what's the one thing people would never know about you just by looking at you? So yeah, that I'm a martial artist. I think that's the first thing they always are surprised when they ask me what do you do for a living, and I say I'm a martial arts coach, and they bolt up pride straight away, and they say they would never ever expect me to say that. Mm -hmm. So I love that. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? Oh, wow. Um, my superpower? Oh, gosh. Uh, 
hearing people's intentions. I like that. What is your spirit animal? Tiger. Mm, you look like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned from your last relationship? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. A romantic relationship or? Yeah. Mm. Um, what I have learned. To tune into my intuition. Um, and a lot of times I was trying to rationalize things and pretending for things uh, to be what they were not mm. um, and kind of not listening to that inner voice again. And so rationally everything was working out, but deep down inside I felt like something was wrong and I didn't really tune in or hear that um, voice or I didn't hear it enough to allow it to be and express it. So it wasn't until I have expressed it that it became clear that it was not the right relationship. That's good. Mm -hmm. And the last one, what is the meaning of life? For me personally, um, the meaning of life is to let go of everything that you may think as of what the world is and try again, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself a lot with this, uh, but really trying to listen to what's down deep there inside and you'll find that we are all one and there's just love and nothing else beyond it. So we really into that zone, everything starts flowing naturally. Uh, one of my actually favorite books nowadays that I'm following is um, Tao Te Ching by Latsu. Yeah. Uh, one of the most translated books in the world, apart from Pinocchio <laughs> and the Bible. Um, and it teaches you to be in tune with that inner power, which is you. Um, and learning that we're not separate from each other. Um, and when you learn that, you start realizing that we're here just to support each other rather than be jealous of each other or meaning to, yeah. you know, hurt, hurt each other. So when you realize that, you really feel at peace. And finding that inner peace and being together with one is what we here to do and to enlighten others to, to follow the same path. Oh my gosh, it's so true. I that was you. very deep. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all about love. It is. It's really all about love. Oh, thank you, Joanna, for coming here. Sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank for you. Me. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for watching Unleashed, The Game Changers. I hope you are inspired as much as I was by our guest. Leave a comment, let me know what do you think. And also let me know who do you think I might interview the next time. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Friday and also to share via all your social media with your friends. See you next time, bye.